Welcome to this week's message from Pastor Jeff Spooniebarger at First Baptist Church, Gulf Breeze, located in the heart of Gulf Breeze, Florida. today. Really, really bad news. But also have really, really good news. You know, good news isn't quite as good unless you have bad news, and bad news just stinks if there's no good news. Wouldn't you agree? Um, one of my hardest jobs uh, as a pastor and as a chaplain in different, different uh, agencies within the city, one of my hardest jobs is delivering bad news, especially when somebody dies. To have to stand before a family and say, I'm sorry, but your father is dead. I'm sorry, but your daughter is dead. I'm sorry, but your wife is dead. These are words that I don't want to say. In fact, when I get a call to go to the hospital knowing that this is the case, every part of me just just dreads the three-minute drive to the hospital. And I slow that drive down because I know that I'm about to have to give the worst news that a person could ever possibly hear. And nobody wants that job. And so that is how I felt all week this week. Knowing that I've got to give really, really bad news to you. And everything in me wants to just skip over it and get to the really good stuff. Because you know me, I like to be the life of the party, right? I like the happy stuff. But very clearly, I heard the Lord this week tell me, Jeff, you must speak the truth. But the truth is not one-sided. So I want to tell you, just if you'll hold on, the bad news will become good news by the end. But the bad news is this. God is going to judge you. That's the bad news. And and the reason that I hate to say that is because I've heard all of my life people, and especially the older I get and the more I'm I'm in ministry, I hear people say, I don't go to church anymore because they just judge me. They always just want to preach judgment to me. I don't need any I don't need judgment. I need love. And I totally agree with you. There are a lot of places that all you ever hear out of the pulpit is this hard fire God is going to judge and it's and it's this picture of a God who's just who's just waiting to zap you. But that's not what the Bible says God is. God is not just waiting to zap us. In fact, the Bible even says that God takes no pleasure in the death of the wicked. Which means that every time a murderer is executed for his crimes, the heart of God breaks. There is no pleasure in that for God. God doesn't take any delight in judging. But it's what he has to do. Why? Because he's God. After all, would you serve a God who let the guilty go free? Every one of us believes in judgment. Every one of us in this room. There's not a soul in this room who would be okay with a child uh, molester being set free. What is there? 
There's not a soul in the room who would be okay with a murderer who is obviously guilty. If the judge said, you know what, I'm having a good day today, tell you what, let's just call it even. I know you murdered somebody, but just just go on. Try not to do it again. And what would really incite an anger inside of us, and rightly so, is if the judge then had the same person back for the same crime and said, you know what, I thought I told you last time to not do it, but tell you what, just, just go ahead and go. We're all good. I'll just pretend I didn't see it. Is there anybody in here who'd be okay with that? Let's make it your child. Not one of you in this room would be okay if a neighbor hurt your child with the judge or with the police or with anybody else say, you know what, it's just just okay. It's just what people do. We wouldn't be okay with that. Why? Because God has put inside of us a sense of judgment, a sense of, of justice, a sense of rightness. There are things that are right and there are things that are wrong. And for us to just close our eyes and pretend like wrong will never be dealt with is just not part of who we are. Even a criminal demands justice. You take a person who hurts a child and you put him in jail, that person's not going to live. You know this to be true. Criminals hate. They despise. And their thinking is, I've already killed one person. What's another one? Because this person deserves it. I'm not saying that's the right thinking. I'm saying that that is, that is justice inside of a criminal. But here's what I want to say to you. Oh, I got to have this. I can't convince you of this just by my words. So I want to read what the scripture says about the judgment of God. And I want you just to listen to what God says. Because I figure if God says it, then we have to deal with him and not me, right? So here's the thing. Warning labels, I'm, I'm, I'm just not big on. I mean, some things I don't think you should have to tell people, right? I mean, I don't think you should have to tell people, don't touch it, it's going to burn you, right? You cer- certainly shouldn't have to tell people who are making your food, wash your hands before you touch my food. I mean, that should be just understood, right? In fact, the Bible says that we understand this without even God's Word. Because creation itself testifies of who God is. But as if that were not clear enough, God has given us multiple verses from the Old Testament all the way to the New Testament that specifically and explicitly say that we are going to face judgment from God. Here's what it says. Ready? Let me just give you a couple. 2 Corinthians 5.10. Wow, those lights. We will all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one will receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. 1 Peter 4.17 For it is time for judgment to begin at the household of God and it begins with, if it begins with us, what will the outcome be for those who do not obey the gospel of God? Revelation 20 verse 1 through uh, 11 through 15 Then I saw a great white throne and him who was seated on it from his presence, earth and sky fled away, and no place was found in them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and the books were open, and another book was open, which was the book of life. And the dead were judged by what they had done, or by what was written in the books, according to what they had done. And the sea gave up the dead and that were in it. Death and Hades gave up the dead who were in them, and they were judged, each one of them 
them according to what they had done. Then death in Hades was thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And anyone who has not been found written in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. Hebrews 9.27 And just as it is appointed unto man once to die, and after that, the judgment. Romans 14.12 So then each of us will give an account of himself to God. Uh, Matthew 12.36 and 37 I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give an account for every careless word they speak. For by, their wor- by your words you are justified, and by your words you will be condemned. Uh, John uh, first, uh, actually, John 6.23, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Ezekiel 9, 1-11, through 11, I cannot even see. Uh, then, he cr- uh, then he cried in my ears with a loud voice saying, Bring near the executioners of the city, each with a destroying weapon in his hand. And behold, six men came from the direction of the upper gate and faced north. Now the glory of God of Israel had gone up from the, uh, the cherub and they were resting. Uh, and uh, your eye shall not spare and you shall not show pity. Um, I just skipped over a bunch of that. And in, in, if you read over and over and over, like literally I have an entire list of Scripture that says that God is going to bring judgment for the wicked. And most of us would say, Amen. There's an idea that somehow God is not going to judge. In fact, where this started in my heart this week is I was reading a newspaper article or some article online. And I was reading the comments and and one particular person said, God is not going to judge. He loves us. And I thought to myself, how is it possible that we could actually believe that? How is it possible that we could think that we can do whatever we want and God's just going to go, ah, don't worry about it. And the, the offense in that is that we think that by God judging, he's being an unloving God. But nothing could be farther from the truth. As a parent, I spanked my children. You know, I don't know why. Because I hated my children. I despised them. I wanted nothing good for them. Now you can tell I'm being facetious, right? No, I spanked my children when it was appropriate because they needed to understand that what they did was wrong. Now, corporal punishment wasn't always the punishment. Sometimes I would just put them in their room and close the door. I had one particular child. I won't mention her name, Sarah. But she was the one who isolation was worse. I could beat her and she would have been happier than be put in a room by herself. But, But let me just... She's right over here, by the way. She's a preacher's kid. She gets this. She's okay with this because she knows it's true. And she knows I love her. We went head to head, toe to toe. Her mom and me and her. And we're like, there's two of us and one of you. And we're still scared. No, just kidding. (laughs) The reason we did this, though, is because she was one of the most strong-willed people on the planet. And as a little girl, she wanted her way. She wanted it. She wanted what she wanted, when she wanted, and she wanted it right now. And if it wasn't her way, she would make sure you knew it wasn't her way. And here's the thing. 
beautiful soul, beautiful heart, not a bad kid, but incredibly strong-willed. Anybody have a child like that? Anybody? Yeah, I see that hand. Yes, I see that hand. My goal was not to break her spirit. My goal was to help her understand authority. Because what I knew that she didn't know, because in her little four-year-old mind, she thought she could do and handle anything, but I knew that she would die without somebody protecting her. And so when I put boundary, when we put boundaries around her out of love, we said, you cannot do that. And if you do that, these are the consequences. Because we wanted her to be safe. Because we wanted her to be a daughter that we had a relationship for the rest of our life. We didn't want an estrangement. And we didn't want her to be her hero, Sharpay. (laughs) Let that sink in for just a moment. Okay, some of y'all have no idea what I'm talking about. Most of you do. Sharpay was the one on um, High School Musical... That nobody liked. You know what I'm talking about? Does that ring a bell? And I, I, for the life of me, I'm like, why Sharpay? And I think it was because Sharpay had it all together. At least appeared like it. That's the name, right? Am I getting this right? But here, here's, here's what we did as parents because we loved our children. We said, no. You cannot. And if you do... You will face the consequence. And over and over and over. And every time we gave a consequence, we also gave the opportunity for redemption. But the thing in this whole scenario is, is this. Never once did my wife and I, never once did Shannon and I say, you know what, we hate this child. Now, we did say, now I understand why mothers eat their young as a, animals, you know. Now I know why the wild kingdom is like it is. We really did have that conversation. We did really have to go back in the back room and say, look, let's just breathe. Just breathe. It's going to be... We did do that. But never once did we say, we want to make this kid's life miserable. We want her to suffer. We want her to pay. Okay, admittedly, for maybe once or twice, for a brief moment. But you understand, because we loved our child. And we look at this passage and we say, how could God be so cruel? How could God judge? And I ask the question, how could God not judge? What kind of a father just allows the child to do whatever, whenever, and get away with it, And expect that there's nothing that will be no retribution or no justice at the end. I would explain it this way. Most of us, if we had a a child who who, who wasn't just um, difficult but was flat out rebellious. Said, let me tell you something mom and dad. I'll do what I want. I'll do it when I want to do it. I'll do it how I want to, you know, attitude. I'll do it how I want to do it. I'll tell you where I'm going, and I'll tell you when I'm going to be back. Do you understand me? Because at eight years old, I know everything. And then at 12 years old, haven't you gotten it yet? You have to give me this food, because I'm your child. 
You brought me into this earth. You're required to feed me. You're required to give me a place to sleep. You don't have a choice. The law says that you have to put a roof over my head. But I'm going to do what I want. I'm going to wear what I want. Oh, that was a fight. I'm going to do whatever I choose to do. Would you be okay with that as a dad or a mom? What about at 16? Hey, if I want to take your car, I'll take your car. You're not going to stop me. If I want to bust a window, I'll bust a window. If I want to have a party, I'll have a stinking party. Mom, Dad, at 18, I'll leave when I want to leave. Hey, it's my life. I can do whatever I want to do. At 50, I don't need to call you. Why would I want to come over for Christmas? You're just boring. See, I'm saying that because that in effect is what we do to God. See, I don't think that we have a problem so much with the justice of God as much as we have a problem with our own depravity. See, we think we're cute little Sarah. We're just a little bit rebellious. We're nice and smiley and wonderful, but only, we only have a few things that we have to work on. But that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says there's none righteous, not even one. In fact, in Isaiah, the Bible says all of your righteous acts are like filthy rags. You know, when I go fishing, I go catching. And when you're fishing and you're catching, you, you start to take on the odors of, of, of the boat, right? And when I come home and I walk into the house and Shannon's in the kitchen doing something and I walk over and I just reach over and grab a hold of her. Mm, glad to be home, honey. Her first reaction is repulsion. Why? Because I stink. And guess what? I don't even know it. Why? Because I've been fishing all day. Little by little, I've gotten used to the stench of fish. Blood and guts and all that kind of stuff. Little by little, that bait has permeated into my hands. And at the end of the day, I think it's normal to smell like that. It's not until I walk into a room where my wife is clean. And I try to reach out and she goes, Whoa, you are not Kissing me. <laughs> That's essentially what she does. See, the Bible says all of our righteous acts are like filthy rags. And so what we do is essentially we come to God and we say, God, I'm not that bad. Okay, I'm a little bit bad, but I'm not nearly as bad as them. Not, not them. I'm not nearly as bad as them. I, I, I haven't done what they've done. I mean, I've never killed anybody, and I've never murdered anybody. But you see, Jesus made this all very clear for us. In the Gospel of Matthew, he said, you've heard it said, that you should not murder. Well, I tell you, if you murdered somebody in your heart, you've murdered them. You're guilty. You've heard it said not to lie, but I tell you, if you'd lie just a little bit, a little white lie, 
you're guilty. You've heard it said, don't commit adultery. But I tell you, if you've thought dirty thoughts in your mind and never even acted on them physically, you are guilty. And so what Jesus is doing is he's going down this list of, you think you're righteous because it doesn't appear as though you're as bad as somebody else, but in your heart of hearts, you are guilty because you've offended the law at one point and therefore you've offended the law at every single point thereafter. This is the bad news. The bad news is that God cannot just let that fly. He cannot just give you a pass because he loves you. Because the the love of God is not canceled by the justice of God. We're looking at this as a binary uh, equation that either God is love or God is just. God is either full of grace or God is full of retribution. No, that's not the case. It's not an either or. It is a both and. Just like you as a mother or father are a both and. You can love your child and spank them too. I used to love my child really well. I mean, I I was bigger on this arm than I was on this arm because I'm right-handed. I joke, kind of. But you know, here's the thing. The bad news is really, really bad. There is just... Let me just... Let me give you a few examples, okay? If you go back in the Old Testament, starting in Genesis chapter 1, Adam and Eve sinned. God confronted Adam and said, Adam, what have you done? He said, I've sinned. And God said, I'm going to judge you out of the garden. He kicked them out of the garden. And then he said, by the sweat of your brow, you will work the rest of the days of your life. And he said to the woman, childbirth is going to be great pain for you. He said, there is going to always be this thing, and it's going to remind you of this original sin. Every human on the planet will deal with that. Just a few chapters later, Cain killed his brother Abel. And the Bible says that Abel's blood was crying to God from the ground. And Cain, because Cain said, am I my brother's keeper? In other words, why are you looking at me? I didn't do anything. And God said, no, you're guilty. And I'm going to judge you. And if you go just a little bit further in in Genesis chapter 6, you have the story of Noah. The Bible says in Genesis 6 that the earth was so wicked that the only... Listen how it says. The only inclination of man's heart was only evil all the time. That was wicked. It was rebellion against God in every way and in every form. And then the Bible says, he repented. God says, I repent that I ever made them. I am sorry that I ever made them. Therefore, I'm going to bring judgment upon creation. Now, I was having a conversation earlier today, and somebody said that they heard somebody saying, well, that's unfair that's 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 unfair of god to create the world and then allow sin but then judge because of the sin but here's the thing the judgment of the flood was actually an act of grace here's why the world had become so wicked that they were lawless there was no fear of god and therefore everyone did what was right in his own eyes much like what we're seeing today You want to see what it's like to have no justice or no God? Just look around today. And I'm I'm not just talking about our country. If you go into Africa now, it is a war zone. It is a bloodbath. 
There are warring tribes, uh, warring factions, and they're just killing each other over and over and over. And it's insanity. That's what happens when you are lawless and everyone does what is right in his own eyes. And so when God judged the earth by the flood, what he was doing was saying, you are destroying everything. I'm going to bring judgment, but, the last verse in chapter 6, but Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord because Noah was a righteous man. Not that he was sinless, but Noah believed God. Noah said, Lord, this is craziness. I need you. I need help. And so get this. Noah was given the charge by God, build a boat. And Noah goes, what's a boat? Right? He wouldn't have known what a boat was. There was no place for a boat there. And God said, I'll give you the plans. So God gave him the plans, told him exactly how to build it, how long and how wide and what wood to use and how to seal it, how many windows, all this stuff. And Noah started building the boat. Now, this boat was ginormous. That's in the Hebrew. Ginormous boat. So it was a ginormous boat that didn't just take days or weeks to build. It would have taken years upon years upon years. And here is the goodness of God. God said, Noah, I'm going to judge the earth. I'm going to wipe everything off. But I'm going to rescue two by two of every unclean animal, seven by seven of every clean animal... And I'm going to rescue you and your family through this boat. But as you build this boat, you are going to proclaim my goodness. And anybody who will believe, I'll also rescue. Now, he didn't say those last exact words, but we know that's the truth because the rest of Scripture testifies to that. There's never been a time when somebody who, uh, who, who would turn by faith to God is not rescued from whatever calamity is coming. Not one single time. Sodom and Gomorrah, right? Um, you, you've got uh, when, when uh, the spies were hid. And, and I mean, just, just every single biblical story, whether they were Jewish or not Jewish, God rescued those who would believe in faith that God was God. So God sent the flood after years of building this boat. God shut the door, and here's the thing. The moment God shut the door, there was no more hope. God's judgment began. I mentioned Sodom and Gomorrah. Now, do you remember that story? Lord, will you spare... What if there are 50 righteous people in there? God said, I won't destroy them if you find 50. What if there's only 40 righteous people? I won't destroy them if you find 40. What if there's, what if there's 30? You get bargaining down eventually. What if, there's, what if there's like 10? I won't destroy them. What is that saying? That's saying the heart of God is not that he desires to judge. His heart is for repentance. His heart is that his creation turn to him and yield to him as God. But what choice does he have if we rebel against him over and over and over, but to do what he said he would do? Because he gave warning after warning after warning after warning after warning. So it would be wrong to say that all churches do are condemn people because I'll tell you right now, you're not being condemned. You're given opportunity after opportunity after opportunity to receive the forgiveness and the grace that God has given. 
Believe me, there is absolutely nothing in my heart that, wants, that I want more right now than for you to hear that God is a God who will do what He says, not only in the judgment, but He will do what He says in terms of the rescue. But God demonstrated, Romans 5, 8, but God demonstrated His own love for us in that even though we were still sinners, Christ died for us so when you stand before God will you be guilty or not guilty you will be guilty if you stand before God without Jesus Christ you will be declared not guilty if you stand before God with Jesus Christ. Why? Because the Bible says it's by grace that we're saved through faith, not of our works so that none of us can boast. Suppose there was a man who was heading out of the pass to go fishing. He was, on, he was by himself in the boat. When he got to the pass, the Coast Guard cut him off and said, whoa, you, you shouldn't go out here. The seas are kicking up. We got a storm coming in. Stay in, the, stay in. It's dangerous out there. Man, who are you to tell me what to do? This is my boat. I'm a U.S. citizen. I bought a license. I can go out if I want to go out. Sir, we're telling you, a storm is coming. Don't go out. Man goes on out. He gets 20 miles out, and he's like, there's nothing wrong out here. Seas are flat. I don't know what they're talking about. They just didn't want me to experience the fishing. They're just trying to scare me to keep me in. And then the wind starts to blow. But he doesn't notice because he's catching fish. And then the waves start to increase. But he doesn't really notice too much because he's really the best, best fishing trip of his life. And then the seas get to the point where he says, you know what? Maybe I better turn around and go in. So he turns the motor on. He starts to cut the boat around. And his boat malfunctions. And it fills with water and sinks. So now he's 20 miles out in the ocean. But before the boat goes down... Mayday, mayday. Boat has sunk. These are my coordinates. He's out now treading water 20 miles out. Coast Guard. Even though the torrential storm is already there, they do what they do. They jump in their rescue craft and they start their way out. They send the helo out over and they spot the person. They've got rescue divers ready to be deployed. The boat gets there. Sir, we've come to rescue you. Give us your hand. And his answer, no way. No way am I going to let you, say, you rescue me. I'm not getting in that boat. Sir, we're your only hope. Get in the boat. No, 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 no. I had a neighbor who was uh, a Coast Guard guy, and he was a jerk. I am not going to trust the Coast Guard. Not only that, I see how my tax dollars are wasted. Y'all just spend gas going back and forth and back and forth. I am not getting in that. Besides, I don't even like the colors of the boat. I mean, come on. And, and you're connected to our government, and I don't trust our government because I don't know what you're going to do once I get in the boat. I'm, I'm not. Sir, we're your only hope. No, I refuse. And the man drowns. Because of you, he had every excuse in the world except for recognizing that the Coast Guard was his only hope. That's what men will do. It's what 
what humans will do every single day. We reject God a lot of times for things that we really don't even understand. Look, I've, I've done stupid things and I've been, a, I've been an embarrassment to the gospel at times in my life. But don't blame God, blame me. I'm the idiot, not God. I don't need an amen on that. The church, we, we, we've done some good things and we've done some bonehead things. Us, we. We haven't always treated people the way we should. We have come off sometimes as judgmental. Sometimes we've totally blown it. Sometimes we've missed people when they've been in most need and we've just totally, completely blown it. But don't blame God. That's us. We you close your eyes and bow your head? I want to ask you, have you come to the place in your life where you've recognized that you're a sinner? Have you looked in the mirror and recognized the depravity of your own heart? And have you cried out to Jesus saying, Jesus, save me? You may not understand all of how it works. You may not even believe every part of the story. But the Bible says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever would believe in Him would not perish but have everlasting life. Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and have it most abundantly. If you're here today and you've not ever placed your faith in Jesus Christ, won't you do that now? Say to him, God, I recognize I need you. I admit I'm a sinner. And I know I don't deserve it, but I place my faith in you because, Jesus, you died on a cross. You were buried and you rose again to make me right with God. So, God, save me in Jesus' name. Lord, I pray that what we've heard today, Lord, there's so much more. You, you stand on the porch every evening just like the father would have stood out there looking for the prodigal son to come home. God, with all of that boy's pride, with all of his squandering, you still were the father who forgave. Lord, show us that goodness today. Break the hardest of hearts today. Humble us. We ask in Jesus' name. Find out more about First Baptist Church Gulf Breeze at fbcgulfbreeze.org.